Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren, and thank you, my dear listener. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We are here each and every week providing you with interviews with people out on the cutting edge of coaching, pioneers in coaching, people that you need to know about in the world of coaching or coaching-adjacent fields. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach with 27 years of experience uh, in coaching, having a coaching practice, as well as uh, leading coach training, as well as uh, active in both the ICF uh, area, ICF special interest group around ethics, and then also the Association of Coach Training Organizations. Uh, with me in the studio today, as he often is, almost always now, Alex Terranova. Say hi to the people. Hi, people. <laughs> Alex is the uh, founder and a coach in his own right in his uh, sixth year of coaching now. Fifth uh, year. Fifth year. Fifth year. It feels, la, well, la, feels on like Monday. It was the fifth year. I'm so. not sure how I, how I feel about being corrected on the I, air. I, I want. I don't know if I like that how time works for you. <laughs> so, uh, you get the idea. Uh, Alex uh, is a proprietor of the Dream Mason. You can find him on the World Wide Web at www.thedreammason.com. Uh, he also has his own podcast, Dream the Dream Mason podcast, right here on accomplishment media or wherever fine podcasts are available anything you want the people to know about you and your book uh it's called fictional authenticity there's now a course also which is of course a is. yeah right you ha- i mean it's like it used to be you had to have a podcast right now you have to have a course and uh so i'm just doing what you taught me you know i'm just <laughs> you taught me the things to do and i'm a good listener and i'm doing them it you are how's, how's business Business is great. I'm actually, I, uh, I had a huge breakthrough that I was sharing with my coach yesterday that I think for the first time since I started this journey of coaching and transformation, so five years, that I've had this these massive breakthroughs in trust that when you, you, know, you have the ups and downs, the natural ebb and flow of life and business, there's not a panic or like, oh, what am I going to do or how am I going to fix it? It's kind of... Oh, I've been here before. I know how to get clients. I know how to get hired. I know right. what I need to do, and it—it's uh, actually really nice. I wish you had told me five years ago. Hey, it'll take you like five years. <laughs> so. I can't tell you everything. Yes, yes, I actually can. <laughs> I'm—I'm um, I'm frantically trying to find something here. Uh, f- thank you for sharing, and I'm sorry to be distracted. But I realized that on our last show, I was talking about conferences, upcoming conferences. So we know that the conversation, singular, among masters plural, uh, converse, uh, conference is coming up in May in Texas. So check that out by going to conversationamongmasters.com. We've also got the ICF. Uh, Converge was last year in Prague in the Czech Republic. This year, there will be regional conferences. And I'm trying to find the uh, the ICF Midwest, because I kind of dissed them by not saying where it was. In 2020, the ICF Midwest region will have their coaches conference in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, September 30th to October 2nd. So there's something for you to do. Yeah, after we did like two two episodes ago, you listed a bunch, and I actually started you mm-hmm. know seeing how to apply. Uh, unfortunately, some of them the dates have already come and gone, but that's a good note, you know. Right, I put them down for next year, so I don't miss them again. Right, because you'll need not only will you need the CCEUs to attend the conference, but you are a good speaker and you want to get it out there and 
let yeah. people know about your work. Thanks. So um, uh, the Association of Coach Training Organizations also has their conference in June. Those uh, speaker opportunities have closed. But check it out. Uh, go to coachfederation.org or uh, your local coach association. Here in San Diego, we have the San Diego Professional Coaches Alliance, which is not affiliated with ICF, but uh, an independent one. And you may have one in your area, too. Check it out and go and attend and get your CCEUs, etc. cetera. Uh, anything else you want to let the people know about? Let's just get to it. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, we have some great guests. Would you introduce our, our first guest? She's an honored oh, guest, and she's up to something extraordinary. I will, but I, you didn't. I didn't know that this. Was, I can. I can do it. I think you should do it because we do it very different. I don't read their introduction. I like to. Mine is more of a natural flow. Well, let's see it. Well, I Tough wasn't guy. ready. A lot of whining. A lot of whining. Today. I think you should do it. I think you should go. I'm not ready. <laughs> All right. Wow. I'm. I'm. It would be amazing if she were still here and hadn't left already. Uh, <laughs> Kimberly Allen is a doctor. She holds a PhD, a BCC, and a CFLE. She's an associate professor and director of graduate programs in youth, family, and community sciences at North Carolina State University. She's a coach, and she's coached and educated hundreds, hundreds I should say, of families and has research expertise in parent, parenting, family life coaching, teaching with technology, and relationship education. Dr. Allen is the author of the book Theory, Research, and Practical Guidelines for Family Life coaching. She is a proponent, a, a pioneer in the area of family life coaching, and we're delighted to welcome her to our microphones. Hello, Dr. Allen. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being had, as we like to say. What was it that got you interested, you as an honored PhD, in coaching as opposed to, you know, just telling families what to do? Yeah, well, the, when I... I've... I've done many different things that that have helped led me to where I am today as a coach. So I was an educator. I was early childhood educator. I was a parenting educator. I was a psychologist. I was a marriage and family therapist. And, and of all of those things, what I found was that unless clients are honored by um, being em empowered and, and the expert in their own lives, growth is pretty slow. So I can tell you what to do and you may or may not do it. But what I found with coaching is that when I just chatted and just found out what the strengths were and could uh, honor the expertise that the clients brought, the, the change happened so much faster. So um, that, that sort of like pulled me in. I, I first learned about coaching, um, you know, over a decade ago and have spent the past the past decade, you know, really working to help coaching become a new norm for families that are that are seeking support. When you say like family coaching, does that is that like to you know parents and children all there together? What does that actually mean? Yeah, so so sometimes it means all together, but but more broadly, what family life coaching means, it's when you're talking about issues that are in the family life realm. So things that have to do with parenting or relationships or um, helping your children uh, in school or you know, all the things that happen in the family realm. When you go home from work or when you wake up in the morning at home, it's, it's all the things that are in the family life realm. So sure, sometimes we work with parents and children at the same time. Uh, sometimes, probably more often, we work with just one 
adult member in the family. Sometimes we work with both uh, if there are two adults, two adults in the family. So I've been, I've so been doing this all wrong. Yeah. I brought I brought my family in with my client to coach them. That was that was terrible. <laughs> well, <laughs> that you know what? That gives me a new and a, a new way to approach right. it. I, I'd do love you to want, hear more about that. Do you want this to happen to you? No, then change your path. There you go. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Okay, so we're talking about family family and life issues. Now, let's talk about one of your family and life issues, may we? Sure. So uh, you're a, a qualified, experienced marriage and family therapist. You're a PhD. You're an expert in the world of family and, and family life issues. But you don't like being called what? Mrs. Mrs., exactly. What's happening there? Well... So this is something that comes up with my students every once in a while, and other female faculty members have expressed that this happens. I don't think it's unique to me. But I think what happens is sometimes my students, is, I'm in the South, and students were taught to, mm-hmm. to call, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Um, however, there is uh, some discrepancy in the academic world about how women are treated versus men. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a leveling of the playing field. So if I have a student call me Mrs. Allen, I will ask them to either call me Kim or Dr. Allen that, that we need to level the playing field. Because more often than not, they're not going to call the male doctor um, or the male professor by their uh, Mr. title. So it's just more of an equality thing for me. And I, <laughs> nice. I just don't like being called Mrs. Kim or Mrs. Allen. I'd prefer Kim or Dr. Allen. Well, I think, th- and that brings up uh, something because you're in the education field, and so many of us in the coaching education field are struggling these days with uh, issues of not only gender fluidity, gender identity, but also uh, the basics. You know, so much of our what we were taught, as you said, uh, to be polite is now no longer acceptable, right? And we want to honor people's pronouns and we want to honor diversity, and it and it messes with the language, right? They is likely a much better way to go around talking about humans, right? Much better pronoun use. And yet it's what we were taught not to do in school. Um, how exactly, are you, exactly. How, how are you encountering that, not only in your work with families, but in your work with students? And how, are there places that you're getting stuck or uh, that you're finding people getting stuck and wanting to support them? You know, I think, it, I think what I see... I get I get the privilege of being around children and, and especially teenagers a great deal. Not only am I raising teenagers right now, uh-huh. uh, I get to do a lot of work in youth <laughs> development. So I think in the realm of what I see is that the the youth are so much better at, at, at this whole thing than I am. For example, just last week in the car, my daughter has a good friend who I, who identifies her, her pronouns are they and them. And so we were talking about, my daughter had an, um, a robe that she, that we used to have when she did anime. So it's like this really pretty anime robe. Mm-hmm. And I recommended that she give it to her friend who goes by they, but in the middle of the conversation, she switched that she was going to give it to her two roommates. She's in college. So give it to her two roommates. So the they was plural. And the whole conversation got so confusing because we were using they singular, <laughs> they plural. And I was trying to be so accommodating, but I was messing it up. Right. And, and so, you know, I think the kids these days get it much. It's much easier for them than it is for us. But I think the, the point is you well, exactly what you said. 
um, it goes back to sort of honoring what what the preferences of the individual are, which just sometimes awkward for me to to get it right because it's not what we were taught in school, and it's still so it's it's a it's a learning curve for sure. Speaking of awkward, Alex is sitting here wearing his anime robe, and I didn't know how to bring it up. <laughs> I, I, I was just having a conversation last night about how actually there is some areas that this conversation becomes easier when we don't have to have the male and female, right? We don't have to have actor and actress. We don't have two names for professor. Mm-hmm. When you want to call a plumber, you're not like, do I call the, what's the Plumberette. female? <laughs> yeah. And, that it, and, and we, but I was having this conversation with two women and we were having that, how odd it is that in some ways we have very specific male, female, and then in other areas. And then we were looking at like Hollywood and how it's, what if it was just best actor and every it was a group of people? Right. Because yeah. now what happens when we now are they are we going to have best actor, best actress, and best yeah. uh, other? I, I don't best best day. Yeah, it's it's it it's I actually could see it as as actually simplifying things, but I love that you bring it in the conversation of when you're in a classroom and everyone has a different thing. Uh, all of us have to adjust, and actually uh, us. Uh, working to create a, a better world for all of us forces all of us to do the adjustment, not just some of us to do it. Well, And how wonderful that we're at a place where we are talking about how to be more inclusive. How do we make sure our language is more inclusive? Sometimes we mess it up, but the fact that we're even trying, I think is, I mean, it's, it's real easy to, to open up any, you know, family related journal article. And, and it talks about how, depression is on the rise, how anxiety is on the rise. So just that we're grappling with ways of being more inclusive and more kind, I think that's very encouraging. I think that, you know, the more we can be doing to help, especially young people or people that are, that have been historically disenfranchised, if we can, you know, be more inclusive, that that's exciting to me. Um, where do we go with the, like what, I'm, I'm curious about the impact and the changes that you see in family life coaching versus, you know, what I would say we see often, which is like relationship coaching or people just bringing whatever they have to the conversation with their coaches. Like what really makes this conversation different for people and their families? So I think the thing that family life coaching brings to the table that's that's a little different than either family education or life coaching or a different type of coaching is that family life coaches have a background in family science. So um, while we're still, you know, really, really new to the field and we don't technically have a family life coaching credential yet, that's in the works. Um, the, the common standard in the family life realm is that someone coming to the table needs to have some background knowledge in, in relationships and, and parenting and, and, you know, sort of family dynamics in general. So when we're in the coaching process, it's actually not that uncommon to say, you know, I have some information about that. Are you, are you, interested in learning a little bit more about what I have to say, or can I put my educator hat on for a second? Because oftentimes families can't do better if they don't know better. So while we absolutely try to, you know, it's the client's goal and we're working with the client to reach their goal and the goal is specifically related to family. Sometimes we come in with some additional expertise and and we, uh, when it's appropriate and when it's 
requested or agreed upon by the client, then we will share some of those best practices. We will share um, tactics or strategies that we know build resilience or improve communication or help build relationships. So it's kind of that balance between that traditional coaching process where we're following the client's lead and following the client's goals, but also every once in a while dropping in some best practices along the way. When you talk about background, you know, I think that puts a lot of people off, especially in the coaching world. There's not, there hasn't been specifically family oriented or family issue training. Clear? What what sort of training, you know, I, I, I was having a battle of the of the knowledge base with my therapist the other day, and I threw out Virginia Satir and Salvador Mnuchin, and he threw back Bandler and Grinder, and I was like, I'm with you. And then he got to Lori Heyman Gordon, and I, I lost. But the, um, <laughs> the point is that, you know, for some of us, we've done some reading or we've got a degree in something, but what, what are you finding are the, are the skills that you're looking for that make a really great uh, person to coach in family issues as opposed to, say, business or, you know, uh, life goal-setting type of things? Well, I think that the the I, 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 we've talked about coaching industry versus coaching psychology. So I think if the coaches are coming in from a psychology background, that's that's part of it. So that's the Mnuchin and the Satir and the mm-hmm. um, the actually those are also family therapy family therapists. So they would work in both realms. Um, but what so so the coaching we're we're learning you know sort of from a, a psychological background to some degree but the main difference is that this the qualifications will be related to something like human development or family science or youth development so some like some kind of a background where we're probably in an undergraduate degree or sprinkled in with their coach training post bachelor's degree, they will have had classes that help them understand, um, like I said, the how a family works and the, the, the science behind what what makes for for family interaction. So I wouldn't say they're all, you know, they don't all have, all, family life coaches don't all have backgrounds in marriage and family therapy like I do, but many of them might have an early childhood education degree. And so they might focus, you know, on families with young children, or they might have a education degree. So they might help families with the, you know, navigating the education world. So there are plenty of niches, um, Typically, a family life coach is going to come with an additional specialty that has something to do with the family science. Okay. I want, to, I want to talk about a million things, including any events or webinars or things that people who are interested in this field can, get, uh, can be a part of to get, learn more. And I want to also talk about the research, because you're a fan of research, which is one of the most challenging things to do in this area. But I also want to if I may start with more basic questions or, or my next questions will be more basic. You've seen and talked to a lot of people in a lot of different issues of family life, everything from basic relationship stuff, you know, what is it after 10 years, 20 years to really be generating a relationship or creating one versus sort of watching it die on the vine. You've seen substance reviews, substance abuse, I should say, and recovery. You've seen grief and family health issues, you've seen divorce and maternity and parenting issues. Is there a common thread? Is there something that if you had a magic wand and could wave it, you would give everybody as sort of the basics of family, uh, healthy family living? I would. I would. Have you heard of the magic ratio? 
No. John Gottman's magic ratio. Oh, man, I missed one. I have. Gotcha. Oh, you have? You have? have. It's, yeah. It's, it's golden. It's my favorite thing. And I, I, it's the, if I, you know, if I say there's one thing that I think we all should know, it's John Gottman's, uh, it's actually John and Julie Gottman's magic ratio. So Don't call her it, Mrs. Gottman, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> well, because, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, yeah. <laughs> anyway, she, they have developed a love lab in, at, at their university in Washington State, and they have spent many, many years studying couple relationships, but uh, sort of a spread out from that. They've also done some work around parent-child and, and other relationships. And what they have found is that healthy relationships tend to have a, a ratio of five positives to one negative. So for a couple to sort of be in a happy relationship um, that does not have a divorce, they're, they're going to have more positives than negatives. For the masters, the, the, what, what the Gottman's call the masters in relationships, they have as many as 20 positives to one negative. So, um, and the Gottman's can also predict with over 90% accuracy whether a couple is going to become divorced or not based on the ratio of positives to negatives. So when you just boil it down, boil family relationships down, it really, I'm oversimplifying it. It's much more complex, but but the, the crux of happy relationships is more positives than negatives. I'm sending that to my wife right now, so she will change. Go and, ahead. And they can do it. <laughs> he, he, he can do it, right, in like, it's like an hour or something, right? He watches a couple have a conversation or something. It's, I don't know that I'm, an hour, I'm, I'm not being, I don't know that that's a fact, but it's a very You're short. You're exactly right. With, with an observation of couple, mundane, normal interactions. So in the love lab, the um, couples are doing normal things like reading the newspaper, cooking dinner. They're just... It's not sort of in the middle of a therapy session what happens. It's, it's what happens in regular life. And they can predict very quickly with great accuracy based on those positive to negative interactions. Seems so, so simple. Like I feel like they should have they should have issued that to me before I got a driver's license or something, right? Like five to one. Here's what you need to know. That would have saved a lot of women a lot of pain. I'm just saying. Um, you know what? I feel like we all should know. I, I know we all should know this. This isn't something that should be, you know, PhDs at the universities know. We like this should be common knowledge. I think. And I, well, I think this extends. I heard um, Dr. Rick Hansen, who's a professor at UCLA, talk about he dropped something mind, mindfulness, um, and he posed that he didn't bring up this, but that all the reason because of our negative brain bias. All negative things stick to us like like Velcro and positive things are like slide off us like Teflon based on evolution and survival. And so if you want to shift anything, whether it be relationships, your relationship or something, you have to start changing that ratio. And he had it as five to one also. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 I'm sure the... Um that sort of fight or flight or that, you know, we, we just got to do what we got to do. We got to pay attention to the negatives and that's how we protect ourselves. And um, think about it. If you, if you get a performance review um, or even, you know, my kids, when they get a grade card, A, 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 C, D, what are you doing? What happened? Why do you have a C and D in two of your classes? It's just our natural instinct 
to not focus on the three A's, but to focus on the D, what's going on? We got to fix that problem. Um, so, you know, we got to fight that, that nature and really train ourselves uh, to, to focus on, I, I joke sometimes that sometimes with my kids, like if I'm looking for the positive, sometimes all I can see is that they are alive and breathing. Like sometimes it's really hard to see the positives. And of course, in real relationships, you're not always going to be positive. So that's why it's, I, I talk about if we want to change the behavior, we have to change the relationship. So by changing that relationship, if we get mad and we have those those negative moments, that that's easy to repair if there's twice or, or five times as many, you know, cuddles before bed, read, reading together, going on long walks. So if we're having way more of the positive times where we're building that relationship, it becomes a protective factor for when we do have conflict. Because conflict is natural. It's a normal part. Um, how we have conflict also plays a big role in whether or not uh, a family is, is healthy and happy. But the, the bottom line is it's about building the relationship to change behavior. I'm embarrassed to say I'm just learning that now. Uh, my kids are 10 and 12. But really, um, you know, I, it, it had gotten to a point with my busy schedule and my wife's busy schedule and everything to I noticed that I had become just basically a, a you know, a guard in the house, right? You know, I was like, what are you doing? What you, you know, get this done, get that done. And then I was sad because I wasn't connected with my kids. And literally I'd spent a ton of money on, uh, at the therapist's office and with my coach to get to what you just said, which is have more positive interactions so that you can then, when you say, did you feed the cat? It's not, you know, uh, like banging on the bars of a prison cell. It's really a, a question. Um, man, I love this and I want to really get, you know, all the juice I can from my own family. But I also know that you've got a huge resource for coaches everywhere because uh, at least my experience, say if yours is different, but my experience is even if we're in the, you know, the halls of the, of power, the giant, you know, C-suite of the largest corporation and talking to the executive vice president in charge of paper clips uh, for some big company, about 20 minutes in, we're talking about some home issue, some family life mm-hmm. issue. A hundred percent. And so I feel like this should be for not just coaches who are focused on family parenting or grief or any of those things, but really every coach, sort of a basics in our coaching repertoire should be covered. Uh, what resources do you have through the, the Family Life Coaching Association? What have you got for us? So I think the Family Life Coaching Association is the only organization that I am aware of that's specifically designed to support coaches who work in the family realm. So it's like, like the field itself, it's a relatively new organization. We incorporated in 2017 and have had two conferences and we'll have our third conference Yay. in Texas this summer. When, when, when? We got to know. Oh, June 4th and 5th in Dallas. And uh, we're um, still lining up our final speakers, but we're feeling really excited about the speakers that we have coming. And um, really, it's in addition to it being a, an educational event where you come and learn, it's so amazing to have a place to network many of the coach, so many coaches get, get a credential in life coaching and just tend to gravitate toward, towards working in, in the family realm. But, and, and, you know, until recently, 
you know, you go to a coaching conference and there's amazing things happening, but there's just something a little different if you're working with families or in family issues. So to have a place to network and, and find camaraderie and share resources, Family Life Coaching Association has our conference. It has uh, uh, quarterly webinars. We do we have a, book, a virtual book club. We, we just try to have so many opportunities to connect coaches from we're primarily in the United States, but we do have members in like four other countries. So we're, you know, we're slowly growing to an international uh, place for people to come together who are working in the family realm in the field of coaching. So besides like being at that conference is one is one sounds like really powerful tool to create. You uh, should go a network uh, resources. What are things, what are other things, books? Are there online courses? Like somebody that wants to do this work. Webinars. Yeah. How can they get that experience or learn in, you know, before they show up in June. Right. So there, the, we, we have on our family life coaching, it's flcassociation.org. We have a list of some training partners. So for example, here at North Carolina State University, I offer a variety of coach training, everything from um, professional development courses up to a master's degrees. Um, and, and I have colleagues, like I have a colleague in Minnesota uh, who who has, like, she, she is really the pioneer. She has trained so many people and she has, you know, multi-million dollar contracts with the state to work with foster families doing parent coaching. Oh, I love she that. Has a training foster program. Family. I have um, a, a colleague in Texas who her, her academic focus was always on youth and she has a whole training program for uh, coaches who want to specialize in youth coaching. So um, on our website, there's lots of, of connections for additional training and resources for folks who want to learn more or, or get involved through training opportunities. Um, FLCA is more of a hub to sort of highlight all of our members opportunities. We don't, we don't have specific training other than the, the webinars and the conference that we have, but we try to help our members connect with each other and find the resources they need to get that training uh, to sort of do the work that we, we think is so, so important. This is like a gold mine, Dr. Allen. Thank you so much for being with us because everybody needs some or all of this, uh, especially those of us doing coaching, you know, whether we're relatively new or very experienced. I Sadly, I won't be able to make Texas because <laughs> I'm going to drop something here because I'm speaking at the EMCC conference in Paris, France on the 3rd. But Alex will be there. and uh, I, I is... might be willing to skip it to come to Paris. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> that Do sounds not... amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Do not uh, skip your own conference, by the way. This is just general <laughs> advice. Um so uh, Alex will go, but uh, registration does not seem to be open yet. So what should we do? We should go to flcassociation.org. And is there some way to register or get the information? Yes, that registration, it's, it was up and now it's down. I think there's a technical glitch. So let me check into that. Okay. Um, but yes, the registration will be open ASAP and we will uh, we'll get that. I mean, we're all volunteers, so <laughs> we'll figure out what's going on with our registration. And I love sure. this idea of the virtual book club, but I wonder if I can drink as much as I do with my regular book club. You know, we talked about how to incorporate wine into our <laughs> virtual book clubs, and it's, it is definitely a conversation we keep having because, you know, that's what book clubs are about, right? Mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm, just, I'm Well, I'm just wondering how much the conference is. So when your wife calls me and asks what the charge on your credit card for uh, <laughs> Texas is, will everything will be in order and we'll be good. The conference registration is $150. We try because deal. so many of our practitioners are, um, you know, family scientists are notoriously not not well paid. So we try to keep it affordable. So $150. And we have a student rate that's $75. Wow. That's you can't afford not to. Go. I've also never been referred to as a family scientist. I just leveled my whole life just leveled <laughs> up. Things are things are going. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Well, let's let's follow that for a moment because family, first of all, I kind of have to say that a lot of things these days that have family in the title are faith-based. And so let's just sort of get clear about that. There, This is not faith-based stuff. This is evidence-based, yes? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay. I, I I have no affiliation with any faith whatsoever. I, I don't even, yeah, there's no, it's 100% evidence-based, research-based. We are not affiliated with any religious or spiritual or other, we're 100% secular. Great. I want to just, you know, sometimes when I see family in the title, I automatically get a breakout in the hives. So I want to be clear. Sad. That makes me sad that the, the word family has been co-opted, uh, kind of been confiscated, I guess, in a way. But no, no. And, and we, we are um, uh, definitely committed to, to diversity and inclusion and um, all sorts of families. All sorts of families, a hundred percent, yeah. Clear, but but that's just sort of the preamble. My question is really about evidence-based, because so many things in families are not evidence-based, right? And there's and you because you know what you did, but the uh, the thing that that I love about this is you've you're actually research-based. These books are are clearly research-based books and informational and useful. Whether we're you know uh, consider ourselves a family life coach. Every coach can benefit from, you know, the books in the book club and the work that you do. What, how do have you incorporated these evidence-based things into a really useful um, approach for 
coaches who may have a lot of experience or maybe not so much? Well, again, that kind of goes back to the coach training. So for example, um, when I, when I first got, you know, really interested in coach training in the family realm, I realized there were so few resources available. So I've, you know, spent the last seven or eight years conducting my own research, working with students, um, doing their own research. I wrote a textbook because there just wasn't a textbook out there. So the research, what we're looking at, um, we're looking at the efficacy of family life coaching. I had a student, for example, Karen Randall, worked with her local school district to provide coaching for families who had children who were at risk of failing out of middle school. So she was you know, in a room with middle schoolers and their parents talking about academic goals, and, and the results were so outstanding that not just the grades, the students' grades didn't improve. I mean, the students' grades did improve, but that wasn't the most exciting thing for us. It was that the quality of the parent-child relationship improved. Both the children and the adults in that study both said that as a result of this coaching, we can now talk about my child's grades without getting in major fights or without, you know, we're talking about it. Like uh, some, some of the families were not even talking about it. It had got, it had become so toxic of a topic. So, you know, we're, we're definitely researching to make sure that the practice works and then we're trying to implement that research in our trainings and in our um, you know, in, in the, the books we're writing and in the classes yeah. we're teaching. So uh it's growing one study at a time, one study at a time. I, I'm, I, I think I mentioned Tina Feigl's work. Um, she has the contract in Minnesota, but she's, she's done the research uh, that kind of looks at parenting attitudes with parents whose children are in the foster care system. And again, the results after coaching, these parents are coming out with, with such a strong uh feeling of ability, like their confidence levels to be able to parent and to be able to parent well and to, you know, sort of feel optimistic about their, their potential for their family in the future. Like the, the, the outcomes are really positive for coaching. Um, and anecdotally, I can say, you know, I spent a lot of years doing therapy um, and education where I was telling families kind of what to do. But once those families once I started doing a coaching approach and they were saying what they wanted to do and I was supporting them with resources and, um, and, and support, my goodness, the, the change is just so much faster, at least in my experience, the, the change has been faster. This sounds like something that would, I mean, completely shift education. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, obviously it'd be great if every parent, you know, had, or every family had these resources, how do you, do you see, do you have a, a vision or um, uh, a, a goal of, you know, implementing these things like in, you know, getting school counselors training like this or teachers training like this? Oh, absolutely. So what we're seeing is in higher education, the hiring of academic or success, success <laughs> that came out wrong, success coaches is a trend. We're seeing that Colleges are absolutely trying to support first-generation students and and students who maybe 
academically in need with coaches. So we are seeing a model in higher education. What we're finding is that in K-12 education, there's a real strong interest. However, the funding for any support positions like counselors and psychologists and social workers in the school setting is already so limited. One of our struggles has been to find a model that doesn't detract from those really important services, but offers an additional service, either through almost everyone who attends my training is a therapist, a counselor, or some sort of a medical professional. So um, we're, I'm seeing lots of counselors, lots of um, school personnel who come through my classes looking for ways to maybe incorporate it. Um, but it really kind of boils down to funding. It's so it's tricky for K-12 because funding is, is just so tight. Um, and I don't think there's a strong enough link just yet. I think that might be in the works, but the link between um, academic success and coaching strategies is still being built. So until we have some really firm evidence that shows that link, I think it's going to be hard. The good news is that because it's happening in higher ed, we're, we're seeing the results and we're able to um, tease that out and make the case um, for, for K-12. So I agree. It would be fantastic to have it in, in schools for our families. I just think that road might, might, might be slower because of funding. You've, you've brought up uh, therapy a few times in the conversation and I'm curious if, if there's like a kind of a line or points that you can make points of difference that separate like marriage and family therapy or family therapy from family life coaching so that it's like very clear. Yeah. And, and I would say that uh, that's one of the most important topics that, that I teach in my classes is that my students have to understand this is not a therapeutic approach and they are not therapists and we would never bill under a therapy code. Like it's, they're, they're two distinct um, fields. And what I also have to make sure my students know is when they see the red flags and need to refer out. So if we, you know, we are working with a client and we're hearing, you know, uh, we're seeing evidence of of depression and anxiety that's sort of debilitating to these families, they they would probably be referred out to a, a, a mental health professional instead of a coach. So what there 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 is some I, I'm sure you guys know this. There is some de- debate in the field about whether coaching is for sort of making the best better or whether it's it's for if it also can be for working with with folks who um, maybe aren't at their potential yet. Um, for example, we had a program, we have a program here in Wake County in North Carolina where we work with very low income families. Um, the coaching model was to get them from um, insecure housing into secure housing and financial goals. We've included some uh, family science into that model. But what we're finding is that, you know, definitely executives benefit from having executive coaching, but we're finding that the the coaching process is beneficial um, to many different types of clients. So, um, but that being said, if there's a mental health issue, it needs to be referred out. Our coaches are, um, even a coach that has, even me as a coach, I have a degree in marriage and family therapy and a degree in, psych- in, as, in psychology, 
but I don't do therapy. So I would refer that client out if there were um, issues that needed more therapeutic resources than, than coaching resources. That's really, a really long-winded answer to your question. But it's a, but it's a good reminder that we that there is a clear line and that um, even you who have training in both and could say, well, I'll handle this part too, are really honoring that line and the professional integrity, the ethical line between coaching and therapy. And I love the the distinction. Of course, having a 12-year-old girl, uh, daughter in my house that, uh, you know, I've seen some mood swings recently, seems like, wow, you know, it's it's easy to kind of be quick to diagnose, right? Because I've seen some things that look like anxiety or depression, but then the next day everything's back to normal. So, um, you know, having somebody who actually knows what they're doing has some training and ability to diagnose involved is always a good idea. And I think every coach could benefit from having some sort of a of a professional uh, arrangement with a therapist, a qualified therapist, so that you've got somebody to refer to when you've got a question, yeah? Yeah, I think partnerships are are super critical. I I have a hand few a handful of of therapists in in the area that I know that if I if I'm working with a client and um, I'm seeing I'm seeing some red flags, I I automatically say, you know, here's someone that you can find someone else who you look for who you want. Here's here's a recommendation for someone you could talk to. Uh, this this feels bigger than what we should be covering here in coaching. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the book. Yeah. Did you have more about that or no? No, no. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, the, the book. Now this is one of those things, right? Titles of a book either attract us or not. And often <laughs> if we saw a book that said theory, research, and practical guidelines for anything, we might move on to, you know, a, a romance novel. Right. But right. No, book- this book is, is not for fun. This is, you're right. This is really about, if you want to get serious and learn more about family life coaching, this, this book sort of put everything we knew in terms of the research and the practice of family life coaching into one resource. So it is a, it is an educational textbook. It's not, you know, it's not a motivation book. It's not a, a, a sort of what you read for fun on a, what I, I wouldn't read it for fun on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon, but, um, but we're not but sure about Alex yeah. and it's helpful. So if you, if you really want to learn the ins and outs of family science and how that relates to coaching, then this book is a wonderful tool for, uh, exploring what family life coaching is, how to do family life coaching. So for me, it sounds like something that would be ideal. 27 years in, I'm sort of, you know, read all the, you know, more hip, you know, self-improvement and, and coaching books and getting into more esoteric books about coaching and specifics. So that would be good for me. What about Alex in his fifth year? Has he got enough experience that he could benefit from reading theory, research, and practical guidelines for family life coaching? Oh, absolutely. Some of my students are coming straight, straight here from their undergraduate degrees. So they, you know, they're getting introduced to this book with zero practice, um, which in my classes practice is there's a there's a component that's practice based. So they get a a taste of it. Um, But it's certainly not the same. I'd say five years in. Absolutely. If you just sort of want to learn um, an an additional 
niche, if you will, then that then absolutely it would be relevant for for anyone starting out midway through or or fully seasoned for sure. Great. Um, let, so we can actually use science, science evidence based information to improve family life. Are there are there areas that you that you feel like everybody should be trained in? Are there, you know, if there, if there were one, two, three things that you'd like to have coaches know about, I so loved your answer when I said, what, what's the one thing that everybody needs to know? And you gave us Gottman's magic ratio, but I'm wondering if there are areas that you recommend coaches be trained in, for example, are we each going to have to deal with grief at some point? Are we each going to have to deal with romantic relationship breakdowns at some point? You know, is there something that you're seeing that in number alone far outweighs other issues? Well, that's a good question. I think for, for, I have kind of two answers that are kind of far apart. For my students coming in, um, having not done a lot of coaching, uh, they tend to want to tell the client what to do. And I don't know if that's just new for all coaches or, or, or my, co- my students, because we're, you know, Family science is very education based. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the whole we, we, we ask, don't tell, we tell, we, you know, we, we work with our, our clients and we're following them and their goals. We're not there to tell them what to do. Um, but I think in terms of family science specifically, I would say the one thing that most families really have trouble with is understanding that behaviors are a communication So, for example, when our children are misbehaving, they aren't doing it to make us mad. It's a communication that something in their life is not right. And so I'd say the other thing, so so let's not tell our clients what to do and let's help our clients understand that all behavior is a communication. So if we can help coaches understand how to help families understand What's the message behind that behavior? If, you're, if your three-year-old is having a temper tantrum, what is the communication behind that? They're, they're tired. They're, have you heard of halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired? That's the first thing we always do with, with, as parents, as children in my classes is we halt. Are our children hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? If they're one of those things, then that probably explains the temper tantrum. If our 12-year-old is coming home from school and, and being really disrespectful and rude, that behavior is a communication. Did something happen at school today? Is this uh, is, is there something, what's the communication? So, so behavior as a communication is the other sort of foundational thing that I think um, those of us coaching, especially in the family realm, but probably all coaches really need to understand that, you know, what is, what is the communication behind the behavior? It also explains a lot of our relationship values. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think that was, that it's such a simple and, and powerful statement. And I think, I, I think it applies to everything. You think about adult relationships, marriages, work nope. relationships. We 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 skip over. We just react to people's behavior instead of actually looking at like, wow, they did that. What does that thing that they did actually mean? What are they trying to communicate that maybe they don't even realize they're trying to communicate? Oh yeah, I think more times than not, they we don't realize 
what we're trying to communicate. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is, our time has flown by, and uh, I, I really want to acknowledge you. First of all, thank you so much for the work that you've done and continue to do, and thanks for making it so accessible. You know, a webinar, an online book club, things that we can join, participate in, and benefit from that are not high cost, high, you know, uh, bars for entry where everybody can get in, but... I particularly want to acknowledge you, Dr. Allen, for the work that you're doing for low-income communities, for um, foster families, for people that are traditionally very underserved by the coaching community, because so many of us are looking to, you know, um, make our make our money or hit our goals with high-income, high-expense clients. So thanks so much for making for your egalitarian sensibilities that make it available for everyone, and for giving us such valuable tools and perspective here this morning. I want to Well, I am so glad to hear that someone's talking about family life coaching. So thanks thanks so much to you both for uh, reaching out and and having this be a whole topic of conversation for your amazing podcast. Thank you. Uh, I want to let people know the place to go is F LC. Those are letters flcassociation.org. That's the Family Life Coaching Association. You can also search for that on the www. Um, also, you'll find a Family Life Coaching Association at Facebook. There's a Facebook page. There's a LinkedIn uh, for Dr. Allen. There's a business Twitter account for FLC Association. Uh, anything, and of course, the website, you can find all of this by going to flcassociation.org. Anything else for you? Mr. Alex, do you, do you, you know, should we, we give asked, her a parting shot? We never ask people, we should, but we never ask people if they play on Instagram, which is where everybody hangs out these days. All you kids are on Instagram. Is there a, do you guys have an Instagram or? Do you or, folks, or, we're inclusive. Do you, does your we organization. We do not is have it? an Instagram at <gasps> this point. I know, I know. Well, that could change all- today. One action. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Coach, coach war. <laughs> I'm okay, going to have cool. to get some of my students to help there us. There you with go. When good coaches turn bad. Do you, have a, do you have a final parting thoughts, some piece of wisdom that you want to drop on us and all the amazing coaches that are listening? Oh, goodness, the pressure. I, mm-hmm. I guess the, the parting thought would be that um, I, I just think that no matter what topic we're coaching on, what 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 ish, niche or issue – it all, you know, we're, we all are from our families and we all are about our families. Most of us have our families as one of our top values. So I think even just sort of paying attention to the impact of family on the clients that we're serving, I think can, can be a great service in our role as coaches. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Again, it's flcassociation.org, and I thank you so much for being with us. We'll, we'll look you up next time we're in North Carolina, and of course, the conference is in Texas, June 4th and 5th. We'll find out more about that by going to flcassociation.org. All right, Mr. Alex, that's another edition of The Coaching Show behind us. Uh, anything you want to let the people know? Uh, I'm going to be ready to introduce somebody next time. I'm done. I won't make the same mistake twice. <laughs> Hashtag squad goals. Uh, and uh, you can find Alex at thedreammason.com or uh, the Dream Mason podcast, wherever fine podcasts are available or right here on Accomplishment Media. And I thank you, dear listener, for listening to another edition of The Coaching Show each week, bringing you people out on the cutting edge or pioneers in coaching or people you need to know about in coaching and coaching adjacent fields. I'm Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, saying thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. 
That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.